holding an infant day in, day out does to your neck and shoulders. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm really glad that I get to um, spend this time with you. I feel like on this retreat, because I'm here with my family, it's, a little, it's been a little difficult for me to really feel like I have time to connect, which I don't have time to really connect with, with everybody. So I've, I've felt a little, um, yeah, I guess disconnected from, from <laughs> all of you in some way, although it's been very sweet um, to, to be in the group of you um, and feeling like I am now entering this um, club of parenthood <laughs> with you, which has just been um, really sweet. And you are all such amazing examples. I'm watching. <laughs> I'm taking mental notes. <laughs> I've been working with kids for a long time, but it's really different as you know, <laughs> when it's your own. Um, so I've just really appreciated the skill and uh, the experience that is, that is here and is shown, and I'm just seeing it in this brand new way. When, um, when I come to family retreat, I love family retreat. It always reminds me of um, just what a wholesome... Uh, time this is that we're we're actually choosing to come here to spend this time all together and with our families in a really wholesome way and we could have spent this time in many many different ways this summer um, but this is what was chosen by those of you who are here and actually there's a huge wait list this was something that was uh, people were hoping to choose um, from all around the country wanting to come to this retreat and we just couldn't uh, accommodate everybody who wanted to be here. And it's such a beautiful thing that um, we value this type of time together. And I find it often in contrast to, you know, what other things that I'm, I'm hearing on the radio or seeing in, in the community that I'm in. And um, it really came to light after the birth of Leo. I was in my kind of newborn baby cocoon at home and barely left is, you know, how are you going to go anywhere with a brand new baby? I don't know. So I was just really cloistered um, and uh, had no idea what was going on in the outside world and was just living in, in baby land for quite some time and my husband as well. And, um, and then I started to leave and go out back into the world and I teach uh, almost every week at a group in Berkeley, and so I would drive from my home in Alameda to Berkeley, and so um, I've been doing that now for a number of weeks, almost maybe a month and a half now, on Thursday nights, and it's really the only time I have now where it's just me in the car. And so I often turn on the radio and listen to NPR um, and find out what's going on outside of my little world um, of baby land. And uh, man, <laughs> it's, been, it's been really, uh, it's been insane. I, I think the word insane might be appropriate. Every Thursday, it just seems every time I turn, I should probably just stop doing this, but I think it's also important to be connected with what is actually going on in the world. Um, and hearing week after week 
just it started with um, the the massacre in Florida in the nightclub, um, and then I think a couple weeks later, uh, the killing of another black man by by a cop or group of cops, and then another black man, and then the shooting of cops, and then. Um, the the incident uh, in Paris in Nice and it just every time going to this just seemed to be a routine of just taking it all in as I'm driving to go give the Dharma talk on a Thursday night and um, wow our world and especially so then I'm seeing it in this other pretty fixed way where I'm coming out of sweet baby land and then hearing, you know, the, really the, the social disasters that are happening. Um, and a lot of fear would arise. A lot of fear would arise. What have I just brought this child into? This world is, isn't safe. It's, it's really crazy out there. What's, what's going to happen? You know, we've got the election. I won't, you know, sorry to mention it, but, but that's the other thing. <laughs> you know, whatever your political um, beliefs, uh, it's, it's a really uncertain, uh, nerve-wracking time, I know, for myself, and I'm sure it's shared. So a lot of fear arises very easily. And if I allow the fear to take over, it really takes over, and my mind just spins into a direction of fear. And my actions then can easily come from fear. My words can easily come from fear. And of course, all of these horrific events are coming from a place of fear and ignorance, of unconsciousness, of um, not wholesomeness, not wisdom. And so what is it that I am engaging in is what I think about when I see the fear arise. The fear arising is natural. Whatever arises is, is really quite natural, whether it's anger or, or sadness. That's all natural, but do I allow it to take over and then run the show? That's the question. And um, if I don't, then what, am, what, what are my options? And so it's actually a beautiful thing that this has the, been the pattern going to the Thursday night sit because then I get to be in a community um, that is engaged in something other than harmfulness. You know, everybody, it's just like this right here, the Sangha that we've created here. I get to go to a place um, of Sangha that, uh, where I know that I'm safe, where I know we are all trying our best to not harm each other, not harm ourselves, and to actually cultivate the things that we really wish to see in our world. Um, that is a very valuable thing. It's an incredible thing, actually. And, and then we can start to think about how many groups and different, um, and not just in Buddhism, but so many different groups around the world gathering together with the same intentions and doing it in their own way, perhaps, but, but with the same intentions that we're not alone in this, this desire for, for wholesomeness, for more wisdom to be acted out in the world, for less harm. So when we come here and we do this, it's important. And I know, you know, the chalk art and the water play and all of that is part of it too on family retreat. 
but it's all in the service of freedom. It's all in the service of freedom. It just looks and sounds a little different from our regular retreats or um, our sitting groups. But it's all in the service of the same thing. And so on this retreat, the fact that we're looking at sila, samadhi, and panya um, is our direct link into how can we do this differently? How can we bring something different into the world than this fear and ignorance? Sila, samadhi, and panya. And so as we're cultivating these these, um, abilities within ourself, um, there's many ways to do it. We can we approach it through our practice. Every time we we sit, every time we bring mindfulness to our actions, um, to our words, every time we we pause and and really think about what's really true right now. Every time we're engaged in in our practice in this way, we're cultivating and strengthening our ability to come from a place of sila, samadhi, and panya. But it's not always easy. (laughs) You know, it's easy when it's easy. (laughs) And it's not when when things get really complicated or our mental state is feeling like the complete opposite of what a wholesome state would be. Um, So then what do we do? What do we do then? And so what I really want to talk about tonight, or tonight, today, is um, patience. And patience is something that's come up a lot, actually, in, in the conversations I have had with, with some of you. It seems like it's a running theme. Um, and it's definitely one that's a running theme in my life right now as, as I'm learning uh, this new role of mom. And so patience can be an element in all three of these uh, areas, sila, samadhi, and panya, uh, that we can turn to as a tool, as, as something to, to be maybe even a little more concrete. What, am I, what do I need to do right now? I don't, you know, I'm sitting here, but I'm just, nothing's happening, nothing's working. What's needed? Patience. I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do. I'm about to blow it. What do I do? Patience. I'm not seeing clearly, my mind is just all over the place. Patience. So I want to explore this with you. So the way that patience and um, sila connect together seems really obvious in my mind. To be patient is an act of kindness. To be patient is an act of kindness. It's an act of kindness to any moment. When we um, are sitting here and practicing in the way that we do, and the discomfort arises, whether it's the discomfort in our mind or our physical body, and we're asked to, in mindfulness practice, to pay attention, to stay with the discomfort, We're asked to actually um, get to know it, to um, develop a relationship with it in a way. And it's, it's patience that actually allows us to do that. Without that patience, it's so easy to start with the mental criticism. 
So I'm kind of wondering how many of you have experienced judgment on this, on this retreat, um, judgment of your own practice, your own ability, um, just the story uh, that starts to, to rev up in the mind, judgment of your parenting, and then, of course, it goes outward, judgment of other people's parenting, <laughs> judgment of other people's practice, as if we know. <laughs> and so the, this type of thinking is not in alignment with, um, with sila, uh, this judgment. You know, this, this speech that uh, we're trying to cultivate internally, um, it, it needs a little help. It needs, it needs patience. It needs a kind patience. And so when we are able to be kind with, with our internal speech, um, when we're able to just take a moment to let it maybe run its course before we actually bring it into full speech or into action, this type of patience, this waiting, this looking and seeing and watching what is actually happening here, this in itself is an act of, of great kindness to ourself and then in turn, most likely to somebody else. When we are sitting here on retreat, you know, some of our unwanted qualities, I feel like on retreat, unwanted qualities really get highlighted because we have this idea of how we're supposed to be here. And so when we're not meeting that high, high expectation of how we're supposed to be or how our sits or practice is supposed to be or how our kids are supposed to be, um, we get to see, we get to come into contact with um, parts of ourselves that maybe get to be more ignored or not um, so highlighted in day-to-day life. We have ways of not having to see it. On retreat, it just seems like the light gets shown right on it. Like there's this big beam that's looking for all the inadequacies or the ugliness or um, the parts of us that we feel are unholy. And this, of course, is all just in our mind, how we're relating to it. It's not really true. It's just our humanness. We're all just human, enacting our humanness but we're really hard on ourselves. And retreat sometimes brings that to a heightened level. Anybody experience that even while they've been here? (laughs) Yeah, sure. So the question then is, can we bring kindness to that? Can we bring patience with ourself? Can we bring patience to the parts of ourselves that we find unholy? And when we do that, what arises? Is it more judgment or is it compassion? I find that when I can actually engage in in real patience, um, there's an openness that happens in my mind and in my heart with myself. There's more chance for forgiveness. There's more of an inclination towards compassion. where if I'm not patient with myself and the story is, I thought I already dealt with this. This shouldn't be happening. Or, um, God, I'm just, it's like, I don't even know what I'm doing right now. Uh, This isn't me and yet all these weird things are coming up. 
and I don't even know where this is coming from. This shouldn't be happening. Or I should be so much nicer. Why am I not nicer? Why are my kids not doing what they usually do? They never do this at home. Why are they doing this now? It's, you know, now that everybody's watching. <laughs> this part of them is coming out. And so this, this, uh, this patience to be able to actually be with, instead of having those types of thoughts come in, um, and open towards compassion and open-heartedness. That can be really, really helpful. And then with our kids, uh, you know, working with, with young people for, I think I've been working with young people for about eight years now and have been really lucky to have a number of them share a lot with me. And um, I'm just thinking of a young woman who, when she was in high school, really deeply got into drugs and um, was was really struggling. And her family, her mother in particular, was terrified, just terrified. I mean, how could you not be? And so um, as a solution, they didn't know what to do. She was completely out of control, and um, they didn't have the skills to be with her and help her. And she, quite frankly, wasn't wanting it from them either, uh, her parents. And so um, they sent her to an outdoor program, a, a wilderness program. And at the, I think she spent about a month there, and at the end of the month, the, the mother was invited to come and spend a, I think, maybe three or four days with um, her daughter and within the program so that she could get a sense of what her daughter had gone through and so her daughter could then share what she had come to realize. And, and, and during that time, they would meet with a counselor that um, was part of the program so that they could reconnect and figure out what to do next. So she was telling me once that during this, um, one, during one of the counseling sessions, um, her mom just kept saying, you know, I, I just feel like you, you lost your way. You just, you got off your path. You're just off your path and now you're going to get back on the path and you lost your way and now you're going to find your way. And, and she was really, this is how the mother was really seeing it is that this part of your life that was just, that was, you know, then, um, it doesn't matter now. Um, it was just off the path. And it could, you know, there's maybe some truth in the way of seeing it that way. But the counselor was listening to this and, uh, and said, you know, uh, and addressed the mom and said, you know, maybe all that has happened um, is actually part of her path. Maybe this is part of the path. Maybe... Um, uh, you know, this, this young woman, as far as Sila goes, probably broke all of the rules <laughs> many times. Um, really a lot of harm to herself, a lot of harm to others uh, in her life. And here was someone saying, no, this isn't separate. This is actually part of the path. And I think that this is actually more true that this, this is part of the path. The, the parts that we find, quote, unholy, they're not separate from anything that we're doing here. But we need the patience to be able to hold it and to stay with it 
and not to deny it or become averse to it and push it away and feel like, okay, that's you know, non-meditation, non-Buddhist, uh, and this part of me over here, this is the good stuff. This is what, you know, I'll focus on this. Uh, we actually need the patience to turn towards the stuff that is kind of sticky and, and not so pretty and um, to look at the places where, where sila isn't arising, where that wholesomeness isn't arising. That's where the practice is, is actually to go right to that. That is part of the path. But we need, we need that stability of patience to stay with it. And so our uh, samadhi, our ability to uh, keep coming back, as Afosu was saying so beautifully yesterday in his talk, just that this practice is about just keep coming back, keep coming back, even to the parts that we, we don't want to revisit. We don't want to be there. Okay, we kind of, I did that. I feel like it looks pretty good. Let's just close the door <laughs> to that part and just pretend that it's not there anymore. It doesn't work that way. And we, we really come into contact with that in, in retreat because we are not the doorkeeper. <laughs> that door gets flung open at the most inconvenient time. <laughs> and we have to look at it again. And so, you know, really um, being able to be present, be in the moment with whatever is here, with whoever we are, all the bits and pieces that make us who we are in this moment, can we be with that, with patience? The next moment, it's going to be a different collection of stuff, and we'll be dealing with something else. This moment, it's uh, back pain and agitation. The next moment, it's hunger and low, low blood pressure, uh, blood sugar. Next moment, it's joy and excitement and happiness and connection. And so it's, it's constantly changing, but can we stay present with what's here right now? With our kids, sometimes I, I talk about it in terms of having maps. I talked to somebody here, I can't remember about, um, you know, we have this idea of who our kids are and then they change. Boy, am I dealing with that on, on such a moment-to-moment level. The moment I feel like, okay, Leo, this is, this is your routine. I got it. It completely changes week by week. And then as they get older, that continues, but you'll have maybe longer stretches where you feel like, okay, these are the strategies that work when this behavior comes up. And um, this is how uh, this kind of routine is really supportive for my kid. And then all of a sudden, that roadmap that you have to your child isn't working anymore. And they've, they're growing. They're moving in the flow of development. But we're still holding the same map, <laughs> thinking, okay, i got to make this work. <laughs> Why isn't this working? If we hang on to um, how things we feel should be or how things were, and expect them to be how they are right now, um, of course we're not going to be patient with it. We kind of get in this holding pattern of stuckness around what to do next. There's all this dissonance that 
arises because we're not being present with who is my kid right now in this moment? What is the map that actually works in this moment? Do I even have it? I don't, you know, I've got this collection of possibilities here going through it. I don't think I have this map. This is something new. I don't know what this is. What do I do now? Can we actually stay with that and be present with that? Can we be patient with just not knowing? I don't know what to do. Can we be patient with our own not knowing? Can we be patient with our kids who they don't know a lot of the time either what's going on? Sometimes they do. Sometimes they're really, they're on it. They're, they're way past us. You know, we're still trying to figure them out and they might actually have things pretty dialed in. But other times they don't have a clue either. They're just working with this flow of development just as much as you are. Can we stay present with it? Can we be patient with it? When we are patient, I feel like the action that's being taken uh, are three things. We are, we're watching, really paying attention. Uh, we're listening. We're, 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 we stop being the expert. We just stop and we wait and we listen for what's important. And because of that, we are learning when we're patient. We begin to understand how things really are when we're patient. When we're patient, um, it brings in wisdom. We start to see the larger view. When we are impatient, when we're trying to make things work and it's just not working, when we feel like we should be in more control and try to gain that control back, um, when we're just frustrated or confused, it's kind of like looking down this long tube in our reality is what's at the other end, which is just really myopic. Wisdom is seeing the larger view. Wisdom is taking so much more into account in the moment. But we have to be patient in order to do that. We have to watch and wait. We have to listen and be willing to actually learn again and again and again. What is this moment? What is this moment? We have to be willing for all of that. Sylvia Borstein, um, she has some really wonderful books. One of them is uh, entitled uh, Pay Attention for Goodness Sake. And it's the, the list, uh, the teachings of the, on the paramis, the ten paramis, um, the perfections of the mind and the heart. And patience is one of them. Um, so I, I want to read to you what she defines uh, patience as. And she says, patience is made, uh, patience is more the movement, moment-to-moment adjustment to unpleasant circumstances done in knowledge that they cannot be other. This is wisdom. So I'll read that again because I messed it up a little bit. And it's, it's a good one. Patience is more the moment-to-moment adjustment to unpleasant circumstances. Done in knowing they, they cannot be any other way. This is wisdom. So I feel like working with kids and most likely having kids, we learn this over and over again. 
that nothing is static, that it is constantly changing. Um, they are such incredible teachers of this. And once we are aligned with that truth, when we can be more in the flow with how things are, rather than coming up against this is what's happening right now. When we come up against what's happening right now, it becomes like this, this act of friction against reality. So it feels more like, like this. This is dukkha. The Buddha talked so much about dukkha and the freedom of dukkha. Dukkha is when we're not in the flow of how things actually are. We're coming up against it with our perceptions and our stories and our preferences. And it's sticky and it doesn't move well. And we don't work together well. We don't listen very well when we're like this. Where when we can stop and watch and listen and learn and be patient, and open to, okay, this is what's happening. It's really hard, but this is actually what's happening right now. I don't know what it's going to turn into. I don't have a clue, really. And it does maybe resemble something of the past, but it's not the past. It's just what's happening right now. When we can be in alignment with that truth through our practice, through patience, then we end up entering the flow of life. And when we're in the flow of life, we've all experienced that, when everything just seems to flow. There's an ease to it. There's a simplicity to it. It doesn't mean that everything's going great. It doesn't mean that everything's perfect. It just means that we've learned how to relax into the imperfection of nature and to be really okay with that into the imperfection of our own nature, which is not separate from anything else. And that's what we're doing here. We're constantly coming back. We're relaxing into this is what's happening. And we wait. And we listen. And we learn from it. Over and over and over again. So I think I'll just stop there. Thank you for your attention. I think Don has some announcements. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.